Hi, this is Ben Lowell, and this is Back to the Bible Canada's Truth and Life Today with Dr. John Newfeld. John, great to have you here today. Yeah, wow, it's going to be a great program. It is going to be a great program. We've got our friend Bill Hogg here today, and uh, Bill is the National Missiologist for C2C Ministries, uh, and, and, and really his focus is evangelism. And uh, how do we get people fired up about evangelism? And he's an international speaker, and so we're going to be delighted to have him uh, join us in just a few moments. But right now, uh, why don't we get into the Word? Yes, we are going to get into the Word because the Word has a lot to say about evangelism. It's, it's so central to the Bible. Uh, but before I get into that, I, I want to talk about the definition of evangelism because I think there are a great many, uh, even Canadian believers, who have this feeling that evangelism is all about, you know, convincing someone that I'm right and that you're wrong. And I've heard one person say, I don't want to do evangelism because I still want to have friends in the end of, in the, end of the day. So. I think I'd like to redefine evangelism. It is simply presenting the gospel of Jesus Christ and allowing that gospel to be the convicting element, trusting the Holy Spirit to do his work. Um, so I know there are a number of people that think it's un-Canadian. So let me say a couple of things about that at the end. But right now, I'd like to just take you to the word. And first of all, I'd like to take you to the beginning of scripture. You know, the Bible says that we're created in the image of God. And that at the very beginning, our first parents turned away from God and disbelieved God and became rebels against God. In consequence, God has become our enemy. And that's what the Bible teaches. But there's a promise at the very beginning of Scripture, and it's found in Genesis 3, verse 15. And God says, I will put enmity between you, you being the serpent or Satan, and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Well, there's so much in that verse, but there is a promise at the beginning of scripture that in spite of the sin and rebellion of the human race and our alienation with God, see that's, that's central to what the Bible is all about, that God's going to do something about it. In other words, he's not waiting for us to do something about it. God's going to take action, and he's going to take action when he sends his chosen one into the world, and he's going to crush the head of the serpent. That is, Satan's power to, to confuse us, to deceive us, and to make us rebels of God is going to be crushed in the end of the day. That's that, that hope that we find permeating the Bible. So the Bible seems to indicate that we are enemies of God by nature, but God is working to rectify that problem. And that's part of the beginning of the gospel. Now, here's an interesting thing. You don't read very far in the Bible when you begin to hear more about that theme. So Genesis 12, verse 3, has the calling of a man by the name of Abraham. And by the way, if you don't know who Abraham is or was, let me say this about Abraham. Today, one half of the human race counts its spiritual heritage in this person by the name of Abraham. So that's significant. So if you didn't know that, well, let me say this. Uh, the problem with Canadian education is that we haven't told people that. The most, he's one of the most significant people in human history. But here's what God said to him. Genesis 12, verse 3. And in you, Abraham, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So when God promised to bring a deliverer into the world, he promised that it would come through Abraham's descendants and that what happened in Abraham's descendants would bring a blessing to the whole world. Well, that's already an amazing promise. Well, 
Let me take you to one more promise, and uh, then when I've done that, let me take you to the New Testament. In Isaiah chapter 43, verse 10 and 11, God is speaking to Israel, and here's a problem they had. They had this belief system and that said, you know, maybe our God is just one of the gods in the world around us. And here's what God says. You're my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me no God was formed, nor shall there be one after me. I, I am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. Over and over again, God says, I'm the only one. I'm the only one that the human race has to deal with. And therefore, to share the good news of Jesus is to share the good news of the God who made us and the God who gives us an opportunity to be reconciled to him. See, that's what we find at the heart of the New Testament. You know, the Bible says in the book of Romans that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every single human being has sinned. There's not one person who is superior to the other. So in other words, when we do evangelism, we're not saying, you know, I'm better than you are, or my religion is better than you are. We're saying, look, we've all universally sinned against the one and only God. That's the starting point. We've got a problem and we need a solution and we can't come up with it ourselves. It can only come from God itself. Now, the wonderful thing about the New Testament is that it also teaches us that God sent his son while we were yet sinners. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That is, God sent Jesus to be the one who would pay the penalty for our sin and to make us right with God. See, what we're not sharing is how you can be better than someone else. Rather, we're sharing how God can become the answer to the greatest dilemma that we have. Every single human being's got this, you know, God-shaped hole in their lives. And that God-shaped hole in their lives is telling them that something's wrong and something needs to be filled. And the good news of Jesus says that, that God acted on our behalf, sent Jesus into the world. See, John 3.16 says that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now notice, the Bible says that we're already perishing. We're already dying. We're dying in our sins. But God, looking at our plight, sent his own son into the world so that anyone that believes in him might have a gift of eternal life. Christ died for your sins. Christ died to take away your sins. The good news of the gospel is that anyone who looks to Christ can find eternal life. That's the beauty of all of that. Now listen to Ephesians chapter 6, verses 18 and 19. Paul's calling for the people of God to pray for him. And so he says, make supplication for everybody. That is, pray for everybody. And then verse 19 says, and also for me, that the words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. Paul says, look, would everyone continue to pray for me so I'll never give up on boldness in proclamation of the gospel. You know, that's what God wants for every one of us. God wants his people to know the gospel and to become bold and to become comfortable in sharing the good news because people desperately need to hear. Let's not hold it back. Let's make the gospel available to all.
I want to welcome you back to Truth and Life today with, of course, Dr. John Newfeld and our good friend Bill Hogg. Yes. Bill, it's great to have you here and uh, great to have you representing uh, a ministry called C2C. Uh, you are the national missiologist. In fact, that might not be accurate. It's North America wide now, is that right? That's correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, but your focus is, and, and I, I'm really excited about this because uh, I, I looked on your website and it said, Bill Hogg fires you up about evangelism. So that really is your passion, your, your desire, the thing God has called you to do. Tell me what, what that means, though. What does it mean to fire people up about evangelism today? Well, that's a great question, Ben. Great to be here and great to reconnect with you, John. Yeah. I think believers, sometimes they're sleepy, so, so they need, they need a, a gospel fire starter to uh, call them back to their first love. So there's an element of spiritual renewal that makes us effective in evangelism. I'm, I do training, and I'm passionate about that. But I also come to the conclusion if a man or a woman is deeply in love with Jesus and living a spirit-dependent life, in some respects they could be as clumsy as a rodeo clown and still be effective in winsome and evangelism because they're speaking out of the overflow of that intimacy and that love relationship with Jesus. So often what I do in training is remind people of that which is of first importance. The Apostle Paul dealt with that collection of spiritual amnesiacs who'd lost sight of the centrality and power and truth and beauty of the gospel. And he says, let me remind you about that, which is of first importance. Christ died for our sins. According to the scriptures, he was buried and he rose again on the third day, according to the scriptures. So I think uh, people are kind of twitchy around some of our systematized, truncated approaches to evangelism where you memorize a sales pitch, but you toss that out and then what's your script? You know, we aren't actors fumbling around in the dark. Uh, we've got a gospel. So giving people a framework in which they can communicate the good news of Jesus is part of what I do. Yeah, yeah. And so th there's that sense of renewal, that, that excitement of, hey, we've got a great story to tell. The gospel is a great thing, the good news of Jesus Christ. And so some way we have to light a fire under people and say, this is worthy of talking about. Yeah, I would sometimes wonder, when I just heard you say you could be a rodeo clown. That's a great line. But I think what you're saying is that the power is in the gospel itself. Uh, we keep thinking, I mean, how winsome do I need to be? So we think of ourselves as salespeople, right? And you're saying the gospel in itself has the power and draws people to Christ uh, and we need to be confident in that thing. I think that's what I hear you say. No, that's exactly what you hear me say. I mean, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God. Elsewhere, he says, faith comes by hearing and mm -hmm. hearing by the word of Christ. So, you know, a couple of people could be stuttering and stamming their way through a gospel encounter at Tim Hortons, which is a nasty place to drink coffee, or, or Starbucks <laughs> if, if they're a redeemed coffee store. I'm not sure we're allowed to say that. Yeah, I don't think we are, Bill. They can cut, cut it out later out. on. So it's not about my winsomeness. Yeah. Uh, it's about the power of the gospel. So I think we've got to remind people of the power of the gospel and give them gospel clarity. So I think we have something of a spiritual impetus in our evangelism if we're clear on the gospel, mm -hmm. if we're liberated from the pressure to get results and be a salesman or a saleswoman and see ourselves more as a, a friend, a guide, or a slow cook 
you know, slow cooking's a thing. You know, as, as a carnivorous Scotsman, uh, you know, don't have me hanging around the island in the kitchen for three hours while we prep food, put something on the table. But there's this idea of, you know, lovingly uh, preparing a meal. And I think in the same way, uh, in our post-Christian context, we've got to be clear on the ingredients of the gospel and then lovingly stir them into the hearts and minds of those that we rub shoulders with and not be bashful uh, when there's an opportunity uh, to give a, a gospel response uh, to a question. You know, if I could jump in here, Ben, I, uh, to what extent do you think that there has been an uncertainty about the actual content of the gospel? Now, people aren't clear what is the gospel. I mean, you mentioned 1 Corinthians 15, you know, of first importance that Christ died for our sins. But is there in a lot of believers today, I mean, there's just not a, an over-familiarity with the heart of the gospel so that they're able to share it immediately. I, I think you're, you've hit the bullseye, John. I mean, if, if the three of us were to do a tour of North America and be mystery worshipers or mystery shoppers, mm. I mean, you'd get a variety of success uh, being promoted from the pulpit or moralism or a theology lecture, but are we being uh, offered Christ? Yeah. You know, John Wesley said in his journal, it was his kind of little post-it note, I offered them Christ, I offered them Christ. Years ago, uh, a leader co-commissioned research with Lifeway on what kind of gospel message was being communicated on Christmas Eve and Easter Sunday uh -huh. uh, in a thousand U.S. pulpits, and I would assume the stats are kind of the same. And what's shuddering uh, and alarming is you'd think, wow, the ball's on the tee. You know, good news is Emmanuel, yeah. God with us. You'll call him Jesus because he'll save his people from their sins. Or Easter, God has vindicated his son and the greatest jailbreak in history has taken place. But they discovered, and he had his own kind of grit or his rubric for what is a a clear gospel ceremony designed seven elements, 6%. Yeah. So the pulpits aren't clear and the people aren't clear. So we've got to be reminded yeah. about the gospel. And, and without that, we're, we're in great trouble. Yeah, yeah John, uh, not even a year ago, uh, you wrote a booklet called What is the Gospel? I did. Yeah. And I think it came out of that same sense, a twofold sense. First of all, do Christians really understand what the gospel is? And how can we present the gospel in an effective way? But what was your passion? Why, why did you decide to write that booklet? Well, one of the reasons is because over the years, I've interviewed a lot of prospective pastors, and that was always one of my key questions. Yeah. Would you tell me the gospel? And I found a number of people, I'd even been seminary, trained some of them, and were circling around it and just couldn't seem to land on Christ's death on our behalf. You know, this was just just missing from their vocabulary. They talked about following Jesus. I said, why is that good news? They couldn't give me an answer. So I began to realize there were a lot of people who just, I mean, they were even in pulpits, exactly as you say, didn't know the gospel, didn't know how to clearly identify it. Yeah. Well, we're looking forward to more of a conversation about this and with Bill Hogg and Dr. John Newfeld. So come and join us again in just a few moments right here on Truth and Life Today.
Well, welcome back to Truth and Life Today with Dr. John Newfeld and our guest, Bill Hogg. Bill, uh, you are an international speaker as well. You present uh, how to uh, uh, present Christ, the gospel. Uh, you uh, fire people up about evangelism. Uh, and uh, so we're very grateful for you being here. But when you look at our own country, when we look at Canada, uh, perhaps what are some of the challenges that you think we're facing in respect to presenting the gospel? That's a great question, Ben. I mean, back in 1961, one half of 1% of Canadians would say they had no religious affiliation whatsoever. One half of 1%. One half, so that's tiny. Uh, but now in our day, it's more than one in four. And it's rising. So there's parts of British Columbia, it would be one in three, parts of the city of Vancouver. Uh, friends of mine, Mark and Carolyn Birch, who uh, Mark's the North American director for C2C, uh, they're in a neighborhood where maybe 55, 56% would be either a nun, no religious affiliation, or done, done with the church, done with organized religion. They were having supper with one of their neighbors, and they said, so what is it you do, Mark? And he says, well, I help young leaders start churches. And she said, with not a hint of uh, contempt, oh, do people still do that? So our story has changed. So there's this, Canada maybe gets the gold or silver medal for uh, post-World War II rapid de-Christianization, which has been staved off from an even more precipitous decline by immigration. Okay. So there's waves of immigration. And so we've got the challenge of pluralism, where we have to be good neighbors, but we can't become theological pluralists. Yeah. We can't lose sight of the uniqueness, supremacy, and sufficiency of the Lord Jesus. But how do you reach out to the nuns and duns? Yeah. They don't want a parrot beacon off about the gospel in their ear. They want to see something that's real. They want to hear words from a transformed life. And probably with the rise of the nuns and duns, without losing the sense of gospel urgency, we've got to be patient. We've got to recognize it takes time. Uh, Steve Shogren said, how long does it take a man or a woman to come to faith in Christ? He says it takes each individual a unique amount of time. Sure. Yeah. So we've got to do this business of engaging with people and explaining the gospel. So, I mean, the Scotland I grew up in as a boy, I remember in elementary school, having a debate about uh, whether or not our friend Alistair could be buried, if he was to die as a small child, uh, die, uh, be buried in a church graveyard because he hadn't been christened. So there was that residue of, of religion, of folk religion, but that's gone. So, you know, people are quite clueless. And uh, we were saying off air, uh, a trip to California where I drove past a building and the pastor's an author of a book. Uh, they like Jesus, but they don't like the church. And I would say for most Canadians, they don't like Jesus. They don't like the church. Uh, they're clueless yeah. uh, and they're, they're ignorant. So, that, so there's a challenge of exposition, instruction, explanation, but also inviting people to an encounter with Jesus. Some of our old evangelism paradigms were very rational. And I think faith has two dimensions, a cognitive dimension and an effective dimension. So we've got to access the passions and affections of people. Yeah, You know, John, uh, one of the things we've talked about in the past, uh, you being a pastor of a large church, uh, one of the things you, I think, have explained to me is that really immigration almost has saved the church in well, Canada. Well, it has. I mean, you know, Bill has talked about, you know, Christians from outside the country coming in, and that's true. 
But I'm going to argue that there are all manner of cultures, quite unlike Canadian culture, where in Canadian culture, God talk is, I mean, if you're going to get to that, you've got to ease in sideways, yes? But in a lot of cultures that come to Canada, God talk is as natural as talking about the weather. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And so, you know, to invite someone over to our home and to say, you know, I'd love to have you over. I want to talk to you about God. I'd like to yeah. talk to you about the Christian faith. It can be seen as a welcome thing from person to another culture. So I think we need to wake up that there is, in fact, low-hanging fruit, yeah. uh, people that we can easily begin and engage with the gospel of Jesus and who are interested and who long for it. Yeah. So my view is that the greatest days might yet be yeah. ahead of us and not behind us. I would argue in the past, when you talk about, you know, the, the experience you had in Scotland, um, there was this, this, we were all Christian and therefore it was hard to present the gospel as well. People were arguing that they were Christians when in fact they didn't know the gospel and didn't know Christ. When there's a blank slate, there is a possibility that we may never have had before, and I, I think you agree with that. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm thinking the words when everybody is a Christian, no one is a Christian. Yep. So the bane of gospel proclamation and gospel sharing was this nominalism where people were really inoculated against a dynamic, transforming relationship with Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think what John says absolutely right, and behind that is the power of hospitality. Mm -hmm. and the power of friendship. If I'm a new Canadian immigrant, I'm navigating my way around a strange new place. What do I need? A friend. And so there's an opportunity for the ministry of friendship, the ministry of hospitality, and not in an exploitative way, but just naturally. If Jesus is the very center of our lives, mm -hmm. that's gonna seep into uh, the way we act, the way we think, uh, and our conversations. Yeah, you know, I, I'm reminded uh, because I've seen John in action when we've been out and about in different places around the country, around the world. It, it, John, it just comes so naturally to you, and I think that's because it is part of the heart of the gospel. The heart of the gospel is in you. It's part of who you are. So when you sit down and talk to somebody, your natural inclination is to just befriend them and to share the gospel with them. Like, where does that come from? Ben, well... <laughs> First of all, I would like to say there are two things, and the Holy Spirit gives this to us, a fascination in the gospel, but also a fascination with people. Yeah. Because everyone has a story, and their story surrounds their hunger for meeting, um, their disappointments in life, uh, the triumphs and tragedies they had, and all of those relate directly to the gospel. I find that if you listen to people, it moves very easily to the gospel, because you're talking about the thing that matters most to them, yeah. Um, and so, if you know that, it should be rather easy. And it's amazing how often the Holy Spirit just simply opens up a conversation quite naturally. Yeah. It's fun. And, and you know, I think, interesting you said what matters most to them, but I think it comes out of what matters most to you as well. Well, and there has to be. I mean, the evangelist, I mean, that's what Bill is. Bill is an yeah. evangelist. He's a pure evangelist. And what matters to Bill is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So you put a love for people and, the, and a love for the gospel together, it's just gonna go. Yeah. Bill, thanks so much for being with us today. Uh, we're excited about what you're doing. We're excited about the ministry of C2C. If people wanna find out more about C2C, what would be their website? Uh, it would be c2cnetwork.ca and that's letter C, number two, letter C, network.ca. Fantastic. Thanks again, and thanks, John. And, and we'll return in just a few moments with a few more words from Dr. Newfeld.
Well, welcome back to Truth and Life today. And Dr. John, we had a great opportunity to talk to our friend Bill Hogg. Yeah. Uh, just just a, a great man. He's got such an enthusiasm for what he does. And I know he, he, evangelism is a real calling for him. Yeah, it is. And so when we think back about our conversation, what are a couple of things that really stand out to you? You know, Bill, I've known him for a number of years, and he's got that sense of humor, and he's kind of past it, and then you say, oh, wait a minute, that was funny back there. <laughs> so he did that rodeo clown business. Yeah, yeah. But I've known him for a while, and I think I understand how he communicates. He means to say, it's really not in you to be winsome. The power is actually in the word, the gospel itself, the saving message that Christ died for your sins. Man, there are a lot of people that haven't heard that, and that's just such wonderful news. Yeah, and that is the fear of a lot of us, eh? That it's so much more up to us than it really is. True, yeah. Yeah. Now, another thing, like, what, what's holding us back? What are the types of things that are holding us back from the gospel? I think, Ben, one of the things that are holding many people back is a lack of confidence in the Holy Spirit. Yeah. You know, you meet someone, and uh, what has the Holy Spirit been doing in that person in the past? You don't know, but I've got to assume that there is a work of God in their lives. Secondly, they're created in the image of God, so they were created to know God. Mm -hmm. They've got a hole. If I get to know them and I am gospel-oriented, I'm going to find out where that hole is, yeah. and I'm going to speak the gospel to that hole in their lives. So I think what's, what's lacking is an unfamiliarity with the gospel and an a lack of interest in the spiritual dynamic that's in every single person's life. Excellent. And I do want to mention again your booklet, uh, What is the Gospel? Yes. Because I, I really want to suggest that there's a great tool for people to understand what the gospel message really is and, and those things that they can, they can talk to people about that's going to bring them into the kingdom. Thanks so much, John, for, uh, for being with us again today. And thanks to, uh, to Bill Hogg. And remember next week to join us again right here on Truth and Life Today.